This is Bigger Pockets Daily, where I read evergreen articles on real estate investing so you can still learn while you're on the go. If you just found the show on this Wednesday, welcome. And please tap the subscribe button so you'll get these automatically delivered to you every day, including weekends. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Solving the affordable housing crisis. Apple, Google, Amazon can't help. This can. By Phil McAllister. Facebook has recently pledged $1 billion to fight the housing affordability crisis in California and other areas in which they operate. Apple has recently committed $2.5 billion. Google, Amazon, and Microsoft have all thrown their name into the ring as well, providing various levels of assistance and funding to address the problem. We've also got politicians of all types opining on the issue and regular folks caught in the middle of all of it. Now, while bringing these funds in certainly can't hurt, it isn't going to solve the problem. The problem is certainly not that there isn't enough money coming into these markets. Evidence of this can be seen in the absurdly low cap rates where affordability is the worst. Take San Francisco, we like to pick on them, where cap rates are between 3 and 4% in strong parts of town. For those newer to real estate concepts, let me help you out. The technical term in real estate for a 3% cap rate is bat-blank-crazy-expensive. A 3% cap rate means investors are willing to pay $33 in price for every $1 in NOI. Go ahead and let that sink in for a moment. Moments over. This tells us that investors are more than willing to pump as much capital as possible into these markets. Foreign investors especially love San Fran, LA, Seattle, and New York. So the problem is certainly not a lack of funding that commitments from these companies will address. This is what's 
actually going on with affordable housing, or lack thereof. So what is the problem? The problem, like many others that seem complex, really comes down to simple economics. Our old friends, supply and demand. Case study, California. With the growth of Silicon Valley and all the ancillary economic expansion that has come with it, the demand for housing has risen alongside it. In a normal, well-functioning market, this increased demand would lead to a rise in housing prices, expressed through both higher home values and higher rents. Just do a quick Google search on home prices and rents in Palo Alto, for instance. Then pick your jaw up off the floor and come back to this podcast. You can hit pause now. Are you back? 1,200 square foot housing approaching 2 million bucks. Yeah. Rents of $6,000 per month? For a 670 square foot one bed apartment? Uh, you betcha. These higher prices should serve as a signal to real estate developers that there are strong profits to be had by entering the market and building more units. Farmers and other landowners would be enticed to sell or partner with developers to realize these profits. The additional units would then serve to increase the supply of housing, and pricing pressures would ease as the number of available units increase and renters can shop around. The problem is that real estate is not a well-functioning market, and California's real estate market is as bad as it gets. Through a combination of political cronyism, nosiness, busybodying, nimbyism, and well-intentioned but ill-informed politicians taking action, California has created a highly restrictive system where increasing the supply of housing units is extremely difficult, expensive, and time-consuming. This slows down the rate at which housing can be added and makes the only economically viable developments projects that target the highest end of renters and buyers. Laws and regulations in the name of preserving open space, smart growth, urban growth boundaries, and the like have the effect of drastically reducing the supply of land for building. According to the LA Times, the California Code of Regulations, the compilation of the state's administrative rules, contains more than 21 million words. If reading it was a 40-hour-a-week job, it would take more than six months to get through it, and understanding all that legalese is another matter entirely. But California's state building code is also especially restrictive and deserves scrutiny from policymakers concerned about housing affordability. By itself, this section of the California Code of Regulations contains 75,700 restrictive terms. For example, shall, must, and required. More than some states' entire codes, the residential housing subsection alone has nearly 24,000 restrictions. And that's just the state code. You've also got local municipalities layering on the requirements. Ugh. State and local governments have made it impossible for otherwise willing landowners to sell to developers. Those developers that can secure sites are faced with a multi-year process full of hearings, paperwork, fees, fines, and aggressive NIMBY neighbors standing in their way. Not in my backyard. When you make it that difficult to create new housing, it shouldn't be hard to understand why prices are unaffordable. The outlook across America 
It's not just California, either. All of the places with the most severe affordability problems in the country are highly correlated with the most restrictive housing policies. Basic economics teaches us that to reduce the price on something, you need to either increase the supply of it or reduce the demand for it. I don't think anyone wants to destroy all of the jobs in California, thereby reducing demand for housing. Probably also not the best idea to put half of the population on buses and disperse them around the country. So, we've got to focus on supply. The solution to the problem will come from answering the question, how can we most quickly and efficiently increase the supply of housing to meet the demand and bring down prices? The impact of increasing the supply of housing. Let's do a quick thought experiment to drive home the point. Suppose for a moment that I could wave a magic wand and instantly create 50 million move-in-ready new homes and apartments that were easily accessible to the main population centers in California. Before you think about it, my magical powers also allow me to create the roads, electrical grid, and other necessary infrastructure too. Hmm. What do you think would happen to housing prices in that scenario? They'd plummet. How can we replicate this concept in the real world? By removing as many barriers as possible to developers and landowners who want to use their time, resources, skills, and funds to supply the market with more housing. So it would look something like this. Number one, restore property rights by drastically reducing the amount of restrictions on buildings, allowing property owners rather than politicians and NIMBY busybodies to decide what to do with the land desperately needed for housing. Allow farmland and land surrounding dense population centers to be developed in a manner decided by market forces. This requires massive reductions in zoning restrictions, lifting limits on lot sizes and densities, setbacks, parking, building materials, and the like. Number two, streamline the approval process for new development. Remove any sort of requirements that don't directly impact safety. Stop giving people and organizations who should have absolutely no say in what happens to someone else's property a strong voice in deciding what can and can't be developed. Reduce the number of agencies, paperwork, red tape, and bureaucrats involved in the process. The process should be measured in weeks, not years. Number three, remove all rent control laws, which serve to reduce the existing supply of rentals and disincentivize owners to improve the rental stock. Number four, relax immigration policies and remove tariffs and trade barriers so that labor and materials for construction projects can come down. In short, the way to solve the affordable housing crisis is extremely simple, but nearly impossible politics-wise. Get out of the way of the entrepreneurs and real estate developers so they can do what they do best, create high-quality and attractive living spaces for the people who need it. You made it through another episode of Bigger Pockets Daily. Did you learn something new? If you still have questions about this subject, jump onto the forums at biggerpockets.com forum. It's like being at a 24-7 networking event without the business cards and awkward small talk. Otherwise, you know the drill. We'll have another episode waiting for you in the morning.